For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked off by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson beats. Jackson breaks tackle. He's right to the pylon. And it's a touchdown. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. Last week, we handled the first half of the first round of the NFL Draft. All three of us participated in a mock draft together. This week, we will knock out picks 17 through 32, as well as try to guess Tim's random Raven uh, and maybe see uh, a a little bit of analysis at the end over who we think uh, maybe moved up in the round, moved back in the round, or uh, who should have gone in the first round and didn't. I'm Antonio Barbera, and I'm joined by Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens. Start with you, Tim. Another week, isolated, alone, but we're here to talk about the NFL, and most importantly, the Ravens draft pick later in the first round. How are you feeling? I'm excited, man. I cannot wait. Uh, in these weird times, I think the NFL draft counts as an actual sporting event, uh, I would say. And if you're listening to this, the day uh, the day it releases, we're only two days away, my friends. Two days away. Uh, I am, I'm through the roof, if you can't tell. So I'm really excited to do our final bit of prep with the last half of this mock draft. And joining us from Los Angeles, Jace Evans. Jace, how you doing over there? Doing good, Antonio. Um, <clears throat> same as Tim, the draft. It's like, the best non-game related thing the NFL does is, uh, you know, there's a reason they've split it out to three days. Uh, <laughs> people watch, I watch, and I'm very excited to just get nerdy with our good friends, Mel Kuyper Jr. and uh, Todd McShay and uh, various related NFL Network people if you're a fan of their broadcasts. So, um, yeah, I'm very excited. And uh, today, talking about the uh, the Ravens pick. There's a lot to get into there. (laughs) Last week, Tim mentioned that he was a little nervous because he was up first at pick 17 
and had to do some research because all these guys were off the boards. Kind of sounds like what would happen with the Dallas Cowboys, but <laughs> before we get to the second half, got to try out a random Raven. Tim, it's your turn this week. Who do you have for us? I've got a good one this week. Uh, he is, as you're going to come to find out, sort of draft-related uh, on this NFL draft special that we're doing, part two of the Pod Like a Raven mock draft. So let's get right into it. Clue number one. This player started his career in Baltimore playing for three seasons. Clue number two. He made 28 starts across those three seasons. Number three. This former Maryland Terrapin featured for two other NFL teams in his career, the Kansas City Chiefs, but most notably the San Diego Chargers. Number four. Other Ravens who wore the same number as this player include Ricky Wagner and Jelly Ellis. And clue number five, and your sort of NFL draft tie. This player declared for the NFL's supplemental draft, and on July 12th was taken by the Baltimore Ravens in the fifth round. He replaced a Ravens legend. Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine the Ravens have made a ton of picks in the supplemental draft over the years. <laughs> I, In fact, I think it's the only supplemental draft pick that the Ravens may have made. I, I feel like I like stumbled upon that stat or note a few weeks ago. I think. Maybe I'll try to confirm it before the episode ends, but that is a great... That's a random Raven, so it's <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great pick. And I like you didn't give us the uh, the years that he played, which I think is a good like trivia part of it for the listener about which era did, did this guy play in. So that's Tim's random Raven. We will answer that at the end of the episode. Um, that's all we have for now. We're going to, we're going to jump into the second half of our mock draft. I'm not going to go through all of the the 16 names that, that were already drafted, but the biggest news and notes, I suppose, Joe Burrow going one, uh, Chase Young two, that, that's sort of been, uh, expected in a lot of mock drafts and, and by a lot of analysts. Uh, and then Tim, uh, representing the Miami Dolphins took Justin Herbert at five, uh, sending Twitter ablaze, um, Chargers happy to take Tua Tagovailoa at six. Um, and I'm just looking through any other picks, guys, that, that stood out to you uh, in the top 16. Yeah, a few things caught my eye uh, in the first 16 picks here. If you, if you look at it, and again, you can look at it on Twitter at Pod Like a Raven. It's out there. And as you're listening to this, um, spoiler alert, I, don't spoil yourself, but you could probably find pick 17 to 32 as well based on when you're listening to this on Tuesday, if you are. But uh, one thing outside of the Herbert thing, and again, this is what we think will happen. This is not necessarily uh, what we want to happen or our, our scouting report, because clearly those aren't, uh, the, the top of the line, as it were. I'm fully re- readily happy to admit that, I should say. But one thing that grabs my attention here is it starts at four with the Giants. They pick, uh, Becton, the tackle out of, uh, Louisville. And because of that, some other guys fall. You talk about a guy, like uh, like Isaiah Simmons at seven. I think the Carolina Panthers would be super happy to have that guy uh, on their defense to really improve that side of the ball, can kind of do everything. A guy that you thought was going to go to four, because he drops to seven, that means another guy, Derek Brown, who is the defensive tackle who could be a top three pick in any other draft. I absolutely love Derek Brown. He drops to nine for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and a guy that they have been talked uh, linked to excuse me, a number of times is C.J. Henderson, who went at the very end of part one of our mock draft, 16th to the Atlanta Falcons, who, as we mentioned last week, need help at every level of the defense. So uh, kind of the domino effects that we're going to see on Thursday as well, when somebody 
makes a crazy pick that nobody predicted. Maybe a guy that people didn't even have mocked in the first round or a, a big reach for a quarterback, whether that be a guy like Jordan Love or if Tua falls maybe because of the injury concerns, who knows. But that, that kind of um, – those puzzle pieces kind of fitting in and the ramifications of one pick affecting – two, three others I thought was pretty interesting. And just as a reminder, if you didn't uh, catch the episode last week, we're, we're doing a mock draft of the first round where the three of us are essentially competing against uh, each other in, in drafting players. So if Jace takes somebody with the 19th pick, Tim or I cannot then draft that player later along in the draft. And we're treating this as if we were the GM of the team and, and what we think that the team should do as opposed to, A, let's burn down the buildings of our rivals uh, in terms of who they draft. And also we're not thinking of who we think they should take, but who the GM and and which direction the team should go in. So let's dive in now to, uh, and we're not, I guess the last thing I forgot to say this last week as well, no trades. We're not trading draft picks here. All right. We don't have the accountants uh, and and the office space to, to figure out the paperwork that's involved with that. So just making picks. Uh, and I believe it's Tim Horsey here on the clock at 17 representing the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I'm the pod like a raven version of a Jerry Jones, apparently. But uh, yeah, so I will say, uh, I, honestly, I can't remember if I said this on last week's episode, but I was looking at this pick ahead of time because we have every third. And I thought, you know, there's a couple guys that I would love to see fall. Kason, uh, the pass rusher out of LSU and CJ Henderson. Maybe if either of those two guys are there, I'm going to select one of them. Well, Kaysan went with the 15th pick to the Denver Broncos, and C.J. Henderson went with the 16th pick to the Atlanta Falcons. So, shouts out to you guys. Thank you for making this a little more difficult. So, I thought, what are some other things that the Cowboys could need? And, and they have a guy in Amari Cooper, um, who is a fantastic wide receiver. They're most likely going to re-sign Dak. They've got Ezekiel Elliott. Clearly, they've clearly got weapons everywhere. But their depth at receiver is not that great. Uh, Michael Gallup is a, is a relatively consistent player, but outside of that, they don't have a ton of people um, for Dak to throw to. So why not, if you're going to presumably pay this guy a ton of money, go for the next wide receiver off the board after our big three uh, got scooped up earlier in the, in the top 16 there. And that's a guy who caught 111 balls for over 1,500 yards in 15 starts for the LSU Tigers. That's Justin Jefferson, a wide receiver out of LSU, one of the top guys in the country last year for that record-breaking offense. Um, and, and, and the knock on him, really, you know, he's, he's got great hands, he's a good pass, uh, or a route runner, excuse me. And, and one of the things that people were nervous about was, uh, you know what, he might not show out at the combine. He might not have great combine numbers. Uh, well, he ran a 4-3. I think he's completely fine. Or, excuse me, a 4-4, but still... Uh, it was way better than some people predicted and maybe shot up some boards because of that. You could argue maybe this is a little bit of a reach uh, because the wide receiver depth in this class is so, so deep that maybe you don't want to waste a 17th overall pick on a guy. Maybe you trade back. We're not doing this, doing that, excuse me, in this mock draft. So Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver out of LSU, is going to be the Cowboys' first round pick. I love Jefferson. In a perfect world, I think he would somehow find his way to your Baltimore Ravens. He does everything pretty well. Uh, His numbers were just, uh, you know, on the receiving end of Joe Burrow, our number one pick in this mock. uh, Just mind-blowing. 111 catches, 1,540 yards, 18 touchdowns. That's insane for in 15 games at the college level. Uh, And um, 
you know, ser- so several games where they didn't he didn't have to play fourth quarters because LSU was doing well. <laughs> so I, I love this pick. I think it's great. It's uh, he'd be a great. He's just a good all around receiver. Uh, and I think he'd do really well uh, in Dallas. You know, you have an Amari Cooper to kind of take attention of maybe a team's number one option. So I, I love Justin Jefferson. I love this pick. Uh, yet another name that who now cannot fall to the Ravens at, at 28, but but life life goes on. Uh, I'm representing the Miami Dolphins drafting at 18. This is their second pick in the first round. This is the pick that they got via the Pittsburgh Steelers sending them Minka Fitzpatrick last season. They ended up getting the number 18 spot uh, from the Steelers. Just going through the Miami Dolphins' needs, they have a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> quarterback, tackle, safety, some other spots as well. We've sort of gone through the mock and assumed that the Dolphins are taking a quarterback with their first pick uh, early in the round. So my opinion with that originally was you've got the quarterback of the future. You shipped out Laramie Tunsil uh, last season, your left tackle. It's time to get a stout offensive lineman to, to protect your franchise quarterback. However, Four of them are already off the board. The top four are already off the board by 18. And I think drafting at this spot, we're now reaching uh, a little bit to, to get an offensive lineman. I think we're reaching to get a safety uh, as well, which is another position of need. They have to fill uh, Minka Fitzpatrick's role. Um, I think they'll be able to get a guy in that spot in other rounds. But here's another position that they have to address that will probably benefit uh, their uh, quarterback of the future and Justin Herbert. And that's the running back position. And I'm going to run through the current depth chart of the Miami Dolphins running back core. Jordan Howard, he's the starter. Patrick Laird, Kalen Bellage, and Miles Gaskin. I don't know who those three guys are. I don't <laughs> think Jordan Howard should be sort of the back getting 20 carries a game. He's more always been, I think, the 10 to 15 carries per per game type of running back. And that's the perfect matchup with who the Dolphins end up drafting here. The top running back prospect in the draft, DeAndre Swift out of Georgia, goes 18 to the Dolphins. Uh, This is a guy with over 1,200 rushing yards last season, seven touchdowns, also had 24 receptions, uh, and had 15 plays of over 20 yards. So this is that sort of creative, explosive guy that, first of all, they need a good running back to fill the a few of those spots that the depth chart has. And also, it I think would be a really good complement to Jordan Howard. The one negative thing here for DeAndre Swift is that NFL teams don't think he's the 20, 25 carries per game running back, which... I think that is those running backs in the NFL are getting fewer and far between anyway. Um, And pairing him with Jordan Howard, I think is going to help Miami sort of create an offensive foundation and and philosophy and uh, help their, their rookie quarterback as well. So that's why I have going 18th. Uh, this pick is so universally beloved. Everyone on my street, Antonio, decided to honk their horns all at once. I don't know if y'all have been able to hear that, but uh, I love this pick. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick led the Miami Dolphins in rushing last year. And uh, while Lamar Jackson led the Baltimore Ravens in rushing, a little different when it's 38-year-old Ryan Fitzpatrick or 37, however old he was. Uh, 
So yeah, I think I I love this pick. I think uh, I I I am one of the the foolish few who still believe there's real value in drafting good running backs when they're available. Um, and uh, like, if any team needs a running back, it's this Dolphins team. Like, you can't have Ryan Fitzpatrick's like 300 y- yards lead your team or whatever he had. It was a paltry number last year. So he Swift's super dynamic. Um, the most versatile probably running back coming into the draft. And I think this is a fantastic pick for them. And the last thing I'll say quickly is they still have a pick in the first round. Uh, so they can wait for those other areas of need where the level of the player is going to make more sense at 26 uh, than he would have made at pick 18. Yeah, that was my thing. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, NFL draft expert for the, uh, for the NFL network has said that he's a top 20 talent. Uh, but just might not go top 20. He does in our draft. He goes 18. Um, And it's because for Herbert, if he's going to be the future, like Antonio said, he needs receivers, he needs linemen, and he needs a a strong running game. And the receivers and the linemen, in terms of value, aren't there yet. Swift, maybe the value goes down a little bit because the depth of the class and because he's a running back. But, hey, why not? If you don't value anybody else, and, and again, we can't trade out of these scenarios, and I don't think they would anyway because they have another pick in this first round, take a guy that you think can be a good starter for five, six years. The, the, the argument about not, not drafting a good running back in the first round because you can find him a dime a dozen, I'm sorry. If you think this guy, the, the NFL draft is a crapshoot. Like If you think this guy is going to be a solid starter for five, six years at, at, at most even for a running back, Take him, you know, fly the pick in via Zoom and move on. I think that's a really sensible decision there for the Miami Dolphins. The only other thing I'll add is the possibility of this pick. So we talked last week about uh, Tim mentioned the Dolphins' interest in potentially moving to one. Uh, So the one thing I'll add is that there's a chance that I guess this pick is one that would be packaged in a deal to move the Dolphins from five to, to a lower number. Uh, in order to move up uh, those spots to get who would potentially be Joe Burrow. But we're not doing trades here. We're just drafting the best players, uh, and that's who the Dolphins take at 18. Now on the clock at 19, Jace with the Las Vegas Raiders. So another team with extra picks. This one, I... uh how did this is a, one of their the Khalil Mack picks um, that they acquired from the Bears, the Raiders. Um and I think he's fallen. This might actually be the guy who's fallen the most um, in our draft so far. Um, and he, double, double bonus, fills an area of need. The Raiders are selecting uh, Javon Kinlaw, defensive lineman, defensive tackle out of South Carolina. Um, as I said, he's probably the most talented guy to fall to this point for us. He is a huge, huge man. Uh, 6'5", 324, defensive tackle out of South Carolina. Um just a monster presence. He can really take over games. Uh, one of his big drawbacks is there are consistency issues with him at times, but in some of the best, the biggest games of the year, he just destroyed opponents. Uh, he was awesome in that game against Georgia. Um, he, he's a, he's just a really talented guy. And, you know, you hope a, a coach like John Gruden, a uh, veteran coach, getting paid a lot of money, can coax the best out of uh, – a player like that. So, you know, Phil's an area need Raiders need talent and he's just really, really strong. Uh, probably behind Derek Brown, probably the most talented pure defensive tackle, uh, in this draft, uh, in kind of up front and center there. So going with, uh, yeah, Jevin Kinlaw. 
the only thing I would say here, Jace, because you, you nailed it on the head with this guy, is I was kind of predicting ahead, and I have the unfortunate duty of picking 23rd for the New England Patriots later. And if he fell all the way oh, there, it was gonna it was going to be... Yeah, of course. They picked this guy and the consistency the consistency issues are no longer an issue because he's working under Bill Belichick and he becomes a Vince Wilfork type for them. But uh yeah, I think you snapped him up. So now I don't have I don't have to pain myself while I do that. I had him as high as ninth. I had him as a potential guy um for Jacksonville at nine. So you're absolutely right, Jace, about a guy like that slipping which can happen. The Ravens have, have jumped all over guys like that. They've moved up maybe, you know, a few spots to take a guy like that that, that they think has dropped. Um, and I think that's that's a great pick there for uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. So at 20, Tim on the clock now for the Jacksonville. Yep, speaking of, Jaguars back on, the, back on the clock, Tim. Well, you talk about that number nine. The reason that uh, Kinlaw fell all the way to t- 19 was because Derek Brown, in my opinion, fell to nine, the defensive tackle. Um, again, we talked about it last week. All of the stars from this team, uh, from this Jacksonville Jaguars defense from two seasons ago, are either gone or one out. Um, we've already maybe replaced one of them in Derek Brown, downtown Derek Brown, as I'm going to call him, out of Auburn, the defensive tackle. And looking here, I'm going to stick on the defensive line. I'm going to go to Penn State and Uter Gross Matos with the 20th overall selection. Uh, a couple of the linebackers could have been picked here as well. Um, maybe I'm trying to keep them for the Ravens. I kid. All, all kidding aside, uh, I think the guy is not an elite, elite pass rusher. But one, there's not a ton of those in this draft. And two, you're not going to necessarily get those guys with the 20th overall selection. Get a guy who can be a solid NFL pro and with a little improvement, maybe turn into an elite pass rushing type in Gross Matos. Jace, I know I know you have a lot on this guy. What do you, what do you think of the pick here? Yeah, I, I love this guy. He, he He's kind of been in the Ravens' vicinity a lot on a lot of mock drafts. Um, but I've seen him yeah, go a lot higher than that. Uh, Opinions on him can vary. I The number that jumps out to me, so his final two seasons, 17 sacks, which is good over two years, pretty solid, but 34 and a half tackles for loss in two seasons. Like, So that shows me that even if he's not necessarily always getting to uh, the QB, he is causing problems in the defensive backfield. Uh, he's real solid. Penn State's had a really good defense the last few years, as evidenced by their constant uh, shutouts of our alma mater. Um but yeah, 6'5 defensive end, 17 sacks, 34 and a half tackles. Uh, you said, like you said, for a team that needs uh, defensive help, uh, this pick, actually, the reason they have it is they traded uh, Jalen Ramsey to the Rams. So this was originally the Rams pick. So yeah, just loading up uh, more on defense. I, I think it's a really solid selection. Picking at 21, uh, representing the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I looked at their needs for 21. Look, they were the entire team was hurt last year. Seemingly, they went nine and seven, still made it to the playoffs with a nine and seven record, which, as of last season, was an average record. And now, for the following seasons, winning nine games will probably get you into the playoffs, which has made me angry with the expanded uh, playoff spots. But we're not talking about that right now. Uh, for the needs, I, I saw linebacker, wide receiver. Uh, defensive back. They lost Malcolm Jenkins uh, to free agency. He played all 16 games, all six seasons he was with the team, uh, which accounted to over 400 tackles 
12 forced fumbles and 11 interceptions. So obviously there's a massive void uh, of productivity needed with, with Jenkins being gone. So I looked at gone for either linebackers or defensive backs to, to replace that. And there's a dude uh, available and his name is Kenneth Murray and he's the linebacker out of Oklahoma. And that's who the Philadelphia Eagles are taking at 21, uh, a guy with 102 tackles, 17 tackles for loss and four sacks uh, last season. Again, not a little bit of everything, a lot of everything. Um, and this is a guy, in my opinion, who basically f- falls to the Eagles at 21. Yeah, this is a guy for me that early in this process, he kept getting mocked to the Ravens, which then, of course, then he's going to get starting. He's going to be getting mocked higher <laughs> as the process goes on because none of my hopes and dreams come true. Uh, one of the first guys who, you know, outside of these dream, dream picks, when he gets selected, and I believe it will be before the Ravens select uh, their player, is going to be like, ah, damn. Like that guy could have been a, a player who could immediately plug and play. A couple notes, because I know Jace has a lot on him too. Uh, came into Oklahoma at 17 and was already ready to play at Oklahoma, one of the biggest uh, programs in college football. And apparently just he has a sister with special needs and is a huge part of her life as well, as well as being a leader on and off football field. Uh, uh, Pete Schrager, sorry, I almost said Patrick of NFL Network, said that he was talking to guys at the Combine um, off and, and noted one offensive coach obviously not the side of the ball that Kenneth Murray plays on after coming out of a meeting with Kenneth Murray said that was the single most impressive interview I've had with a prospect ever. So just an incredible guy on and off the field. It seems like character through the roof, which these teams obviously value. And um, yeah, sad to see Kenneth (laughs) Murray off the board at 21 here. Yeah. I think it's a great pick. I mean, he made so many play like Oklahoma hasn't exactly had the greatest defense in the world the last few years, so they've really been reliant on him in a lot of ways. Like, he's been the guy to make plays for them, if anyone is. And he, to his credit, he did it 102 tackles, 17 tackles for loss, and four sacks last year. That's kind of just doing it all at the kind of, you know, line of scrimmage and uh, getting in the backfield as a linebacker. I, I think, and you mentioned him, the leadership qualities. He was definitely their leader on defense. Um I think it's, you know, for a real solid pick for the Eagles. You, like you said, Antonio, you lose a guy like Malcolm Jenkins has kind of been the the back seven or so uh, heartbeat of the back uh, defensive backfield. Uh, and you still got, you know, some veterans, Fletcher Cox up front, Brandon Graham. Uh, but, um, yeah, to I think it's a great pick uh, for the Eagles. And they're – Similar to the Ravens, they're kind of another team that just is always drafting well and are just in the playoffs every year. And you wonder why. And it's because, oh, yeah, the Eagles just take like the best players available and their team's always good. So <laughs> I think it's a great pick. To recap the first few picks so far of, of day two, uh, round one of the Pod Like a Raven mock draft. Uh, at 17, we have Justin Jefferson, wide receiver out of LSU, going to the Dallas Cowboys. DeAndre Swift, running back out of Georgia, going to the Miami Dolphins. Javon Kinlaw, the defensive lineman out of South Carolina, going to the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Yatur Gross Matos, the defensive lineman out of Penn State, going to the Jacksonville Jags. And then Kenneth Murray, linebacker out of Oklahoma, going to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now with the 22nd pick, Jace, representing the Minnesota Vikings, you're on the clock. Minnesota Vikings on the clock. 
Um, the Vikings, and we should say this is two of what will be, uh, I will be, I believe me again, picking for the Vikings very shortly. Uh, this is the first of their picks they acquired in the, I believe, Stefan Diggs trade. Um, and for that reason, there is a quarterback with the last name Diggs I am considering, but I think it will not work out for how things ended with his brother. Um, and now there is a hole with Stefan Diggs gone. So I am selecting here uh, T. Higgins uh, for the Vikings uh, wide receiver out of Clemson. Um, Higgins, another guy similar to Jeff- Justin Jefferson, just does a lot well. Uh, you know, he was the leading receiver. Um for Clemson teams that went 29 and one seems good. Uh, the past uh, two seasons, um, he's six, four. So he's got a lot of height, uh, certainly a different dynamic, uh, than Stefan Diggs brought, um, Diggs, you know, incredible hands Higgins, uh, pretty good. Uh, but for they've, they've committed hard to, uh, Kirk cousins. Kirk cousins is the guy in Minnesota. They agreed to an extension with him. So you got to build around him if he's your quarterback. And I think giving him just another just another kind of playmaker at a big, big size to pair next to Adam Thielen. Um, I think it's going to, uh, you know, help them a lot. Uh, maybe a level of uh, just kind of a dynamic playmaker with his height and kind of size they didn't have uh, with that receiving core, how it was. Yeah, I mean, T. Higgins, a guy... It depends on it's like the it's like the we had the first group of wide receivers in Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb and Henry Ruggs, the third kind of your one, two and three on most boards. And then the second group is Chenault, Higgins, Jefferson, Denzel Mims has been thrown in there a couple times. There's a uh, the kid out of Arizona State. I don't have his name uh, right off the top of my head right now, but all these guys are kind of grouped into that second um category of wide receivers now how do teams value those when there are so many good options do they think maybe i'm not going to take this position but again you got to fill that hole that digs left kirk cousins needs a bunch of weapons around him i believe if you look at the depth chart for the minnesota vikings because of the hole with uh, stefan Diggs, it is not very good at <laughs> wide receiver like a, a position that was strong for them has now gotten weak um yeah, if I'm looking here, Adam Thielen, uh, Tajay Sharp, who they got from Tennessee, who was the guy who did the big trust thing after the Baltimore win after having zero catches. <laughs> Moron. Alabasi uh, a, a, a Johnson, apparently, is the second string wide Definitely receiver behind know who Thielen. That is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's kind of an empty area, a big hole to fill. And T. Higgins, a guy who proved he could do it. So why not line him up next to Adam Thielen? I just read an incredible stat. 20% of his catches at Clemson went for touchdowns. So definitely big play guy, <laughs> as they say. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, the same thing. You kind of create create a need by trading Stefan Diggs, but there was clearly it wasn't going to work with him. And by all accounts, you know, Higgins just kind of never heard much about him one way or the other out of Clemson, just kind of had monster games and Clemson did nothing but win. So, <laughs> I uh, don't really want to move on to the next pick, but I guess I guess they haven't lost uh, this draft pick to some sort of suspension or anything like that. So we'll go to it <laughs> at twenty three. The New England Patriots are on the clock, represented. On, I'm sorry to say, by Tim Horsey. Tim, uh, what do the Pats do? Just like forfeit this pick? What do they do at twenty three? Yeah, uh, Bill Belichick actually doesn't believe in internet. 
Uh, so they just didn't do, they just didn't do this to me. And we can move on. No, um, in all seriousness, there's a couple guys left on the board. If, if I have to play the evil empire for a bit, um, the most rumored thing is Jordan Love, the quarterback out of Utah State, to be this selection here. I think it's a little reactionary, although it's a consensus that he is the most talented quarterback in this draft, which is saying something with guys like Tua and Burrow. Uh, up at the top there. It's just a consistency issues, obviously playing for Utah State and not one of these big programs will scare some people away. I don't know how much they love Jordan Love. Um, did not mean to do the pun there, apologies. <laughs> so I think Belichick kind of goes the other way. The talk out of the combine, and this could be smoke, who knows, is that they love Stidham, they love Stidham, they're going to give Stidham a try. And so what Bill Belichick did for all of those years over and over and over again, much to the chagrin of Tom Brady, he's going to go defense instead of <laughs> offense. And there's a couple guys on the board here, but I'm going to go with a guy who, to be honest, I forgot was still available, and that's A.J. Epineza out of Iowa. I would he's still hate there. this so much. <laughs> still there. You're big, solid, kind of in your 3-4. He's the big defensive end, and then you got your pass rushing guy on the other side. Um, just a an absolute monster on the defensive line. And Jace, because you're a former Iowa resident, I'm sure you know all about Mr. Epineza. Yeah, so I was working at the Des Moines Register when they recruited this guy, and it was a huge deal for them. He was a five-star kid. I mean, absolutely massive, 6'5", uh, 6'5", 275, uh, just, you know, kind of in the mold of a Calais Campbell almost, like just power, it, it, kind of good speed, but just really powerful, really strong. Uh, and just really, really impressive. Uh, he and he put up good numbers. Uh, twenty-two sacks the past two seasons and thirty and a half tackles for loss the last two seasons. It would be the most uh, cumulative that is, but uh, it would be just the most Patriots pick ever to just like, you know, just draft a very good defensive end that's pretty polished coming in and just play for the, you know, most brilliant defensive coach of all time. I have no doubt he'd have like probably win defensive rookie of the year next year if the Patriots drafted him. Yeah. And it should be noted too, real quickly, uh, Antonio, that the, the starters for this front line in the new England Patriots defense are Bo Allen at defensive tackle, John Simon and Lawrence guy. Who two former Ravens I was there say, actually? Some brief cameos, possible future yeah. random Ravens. <laughs> yeah, um, so you could definitely upgrade that position even with a defense that was was pretty dominant last year. I, it's like so Patriots. I just hate it, and I know it's going to happen, and it'll be so good. It's like such a good solid pick for them because I agree with you. I don't think they take QB. I don't know what their QB answer is. I don't know if it's Jared Stidham. But I just refuse to believe Bill Belichick's using a first-round pick on a quarterback. He wants to win now, and Jordan Love's not exactly a win-now kind of pick. So that brings us to the 24th pick. This conversation has just led us to the 24th pick. I'm uh, representing the New Orleans Saints, and I have gone back and forth uh, between two players for basically 20 minutes now because didn't think uh, one of the linebackers who is available would be available, number one. And number two, as I prepped, I as the Saints GM, I had talked myself into this might be the right time to draft a quarterback of the future. You got a plus 40-year-old quarterback. I think he's 42, 41, Drew Brees. 
who, by the way, has already confirmed that when he retires, he'll be with NBC. Right, which has already, to me, I mean, you're sort of, you're seeing the end of the road for a Hall of Fame quarterback that that city loved. It's going to be very difficult uh, to replace him. You look at the rest of the roster, I I beg the listener to check out the Saints' overall depth chart because they're stacked at this point. Um, Good, strong, relatively young offensive line, dominant edge rushers, amazing wide receivers, Dominant running back and Alvin Kamara, pretty strong secondary and a Hall of Fame QB. They're they're kind of set to win now. Uh, I almost get why the Saints fans are so enraged that they've been cheated out of multiple Super Bowls because they've had this core uh, of amazing players and sort of don't really have anything to to show for it. So I'm basically just stalling here and letting the clock run out because Jordan Love is sitting there as that. This is a talented guy that we have time to develop. But am I going to be angry that I missed out on a linebacker that's that's fallen? So I'm going to make a decision here. And I say the Saints do not draft a quarterback. They do not go Jordan Love. They go for the win now approach. The core is here. Maybe they just need one extra piece to take them the rest of the way. And that's Patrick Queen, the linebacker out of LSU. He goes to the Saints at 24. Guy super talented. The only sort of negative, this is something that that we talked about in our uh, pre-show notes. The only real negative is that he's undersized, uh, but he's very fast, explosive, sideline to sideline kind of linebacker who I think Jace wrote the note that said, does this remind you uh, of anyone? An undersized linebacker who drops maybe six to ten spots only because he's only six foot as opposed to being six foot two. And ends up being a dominant player. Yeah, it reminds me of somebody, Arthur Brown. So <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine that he didn't go to the Ravens. Oh, this this one hurt me, Antonio. I really thought you were taking Jordan Love, and I was like, I held out hope that Patrick Queen would be sitting there when our Baltimore Ravens selected. But it's a really good pick. You look at you know the pieces the Saints need. Like you said, it is insane that this team has not even appeared in the Super Bowl in the last three years because. There like aren't holes on this team, really. <laughs> they 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 were in the wilderness there with some cap issues and just an atrocious defense for a bit in the uh, the post Super Bowl years for them uh, around Bounty Gate. You know they had to deal with that. So Sean Payton wasn't there for a year. They went through a string of seven and nine seasons. But this team is just stacked top to bottom, and I think adding just a talent like Queen to that just makes like maybe one of their only few what you would perceive as even a small weakness another strength so yeah i mean they're clearly all in to try to win a super bowl while drew Brees is there so it makes sense to just load up now and then when you're having to trot Taysom hill out as a starter uh in 20 you know 22 <laughs> just deal with that when it comes but and that was part of the hesitation was at, at a certain point, do they approach the possibility of Taysom Hill being the quarterback to replace Drew Brees? It doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't really seem like that to me because they have him doing so many things. They just want his athleticism on the field, uh, you know, on kick coverage. Um, so I, I don't see him as the answer there. I don't think they, this, you know, representing the Saints as GM, I don't think we see him as the answer, but Maybe one more year uh, with this core, with Drew Brees, adding a, a talent at 24, and then maybe a year from now, uh, look at the quarterback position a little more seriously. 
or in the later rounds, if you have a guy marked that, you know, Jalen Hurts, it's somebody like that. If you think you could select him, you need, you need, even with a stacked roster here, you need to find a guy that can contribute to this team because I've talked about Taysom Hill enough. I'm with you. He's not the quarterback of the future for them. And even with all of this talent, when Drew Brees leaves, that door doesn't creak close. It slams shut to win a Super Bowl. This is their time. They have to do it now. And you get a guy who can contribute immediately in Patrick Queen. And uh, yeah, at this point, maybe we're all doing a Zoom call watching the draft together. And I'm pouring just the strongest bourbon and ginger because all of the guys that I really, really love are just long gone with only four picks left till we get to the Ravens. It hurts. <laughs> the, draft <laughs> breaks, the draft breaks your heart. Next on the clock at 25 with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Jace. Back at it. Um, so I forwent a uh, foregoed, rather, a uh, cornerback. Uh, but I will select one now. As I said, I do not think Trevin Diggs is the answer, even though I think he's probably the best player at cornerback, just because I don't know how uh, the guy you just had problems with for several years, you just are like, ah, now we just brought in his brother. The Vikings have kind of swung and whiffed a bit on uh, defensive backs in the last several years of drafts. You know, uh, Trey Wayne's now gone. Mike Hughes still on the team, but another first-round cornerback. It kind of is fine. Um, so we are going with Jeff Gladney, a cornerback from TCU, Gary Patterson, uh, the coach there for the Horned Frogs. Solid solid uh, developer of talent. Uh, number of great players sent to the NFL over the years. Um, in our, We're using the NFL uh, mock draft uh, uh, form we're using. Uh, this line caught my eye as why he would be a great pick for a Mike Zimmer team. Uh, they write, quote, heat-seeking missile as a blitzer, very willing demeanor as a tackler. Sounds like a Mike Zimmer guy to me. So <laughs> we're going with Jeff Gladney, uh, considered Jalen Johnson as well. And as I said, I personally think probably Trevin Diggs could be the top cornerback. But as a personality fit, I just don't see that working out with the Vikings um, based on what happened with Stefan. But, um, you know, Vikings, another team not a, uh, could have gone offensive line, but not enamored with the linemen left. Uh, but another team that, um, you know, uh, doesn't have a ton of holes, but cornerback is a, a, a glaring one for them and for a team looking to make some noise in the playoffs. So Jeff Gladney, defensive back, TCU for the Vikings. Tim on the clock with welcome back. The Miami Dolphins at 26, their third first round pick. Tim, uh, how does Miami uh, proceed here with their third pick? Yeah, this is via the Houston Texans due to the Laramie Tunsil deal last season. Um, we talked about it. They went Justin Herbert. Maybe the risk, or is he the safe pick uh, over Tua? You know, that's to be debated based on your own opinion. Then they went, did they reach for a running back? Maybe they did. Maybe he's just a fantastic player, and you take that running back there, and DeAndre Swift. Then I'm going to keep I'm gonna keep it on the offense. Let's just get all the weapons, all the skill guys, and a guy who, again, we've talked about this behind the scenes. Uh, Jace, who is more of our expert here in terms of these college players, said – the dude's just a freak, and you got to love freaks in the NFL. I'm going LaVisca Chenault Jr. out of Colorado. Um, a couple lines, like Jay said, we're reading uh, some of the scouting pro- reports from NFL.com. 
He's a phone booth bully who's able to body up and create late windows while securing throws with vice grip hands. That all to go with a perfect combination of strength, speed, and size. You're typical. He's got all the tools in the toolbox, but just can he put it all together at some point? A couple durability issues, not the best route runner, but hey, look, if you're trying to... The defense for this Dolphins team was okay at times last season, but might as well just give them another weapon and, and give your rookie quarterback or Fitzmagic for the first year anyway another weapon. So a name I just love saying, LaVisca Chenault Jr. <laughs> out of Colorado is the 26th overall selection in this NFL draft. It's a great name. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah called him, quote, arguably the best athlete in the entire draft class, which is uh, notable <laughs> since all these guys are athletic freaks. Uh, but... Um, yeah, I, I loved watching him at Colorado. He did have some injury issues, and their team absolutely, you know, a credit to him in some ways. Colorado absolutely fell apart whenever he was uh, out of the lineup. So um, he's definitely a big-time difference maker. They found ways to get him the ball uh, as much as humanly possible. Um, you know, part of this is always, you know, what makes the draft so hard. Part of this you wonder if his uh how how much you were drawn to him and his excellence was because he was going against college players <laughs> who just couldn't quite match up with him but i i love this guy i think he's you know i think he's a surefire first round pick in this draft and just so dynamic that uh he'll find some team will find a way to make it work with him he seems like too talented uh to um physically to completely bust or whatever what have you let me recap picks 17 through 26 that we've gone through so far. At 17, Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver out of LSU, goes to the Dallas Cowboys. At 18, the running back, DeAndre Swift from Georgia, maybe goes to Miami at 18. Javon Kinlaw, the defensive lineman out of South Carolina, goes to the Las Vegas Raiders at 19. Yatur Gross Matos, the defensive lineman out of Penn State, goes to Jacksonville at 20. Kenneth Murray, the linebacker out of Oklahoma, goes to Philadelphia at 21. T. Higgins, the wide receiver out of Clemson, goes to the Minnesota Vikings at 22. A.J. Epinesa, defensive lineman out of Iowa, goes to the New England Patriots and haunts our dreams for 15 years. <laughs> Patrick Queen, the linebacker out of LSU, goes to the New Orleans Saints at 24. Jeff Gladney, quarterback out of T- cornerback out of TCU, goes to the Vikings at 25. And LaVisca Chennault Jr., the wide receiver out of Colorado, goes to the Miami Dolphins at 26. And that puts the Seattle Seahawks on the clock. And I'm representing Seattle with the 27th pick. And Tim, as you were prepping uh, the Miami Dolphins pick, I was nervous that a guy that if I'm the Seahawks, I'm jumping all over at 27. This has basically been the, the last of the super top tier linebackers. And he's just the the odd man out of this list. And I think he could go above some of them. But here he is sitting at 27 and easily this this pick gets called in in the first 30 seconds uh, of their of their round. And it's Zach Bond, the linebacker out of Wisconsin, Uh, a guy who can set the edge, you know, play the run, uh, can drop back in coverage. And oh, by the way, had 12 and a half sacks and 19 and a half tackles for loss last year uh, for the Badgers. So. You know, the Seahawks uh, losing Jadeveon Clowney uh, after the one-year rental that they have. You know, time to fill the space with another pass rusher, and they get a dynamic player uh, in Bonn out of Wisconsin at 27. 
I love this pick. Zach Bond ruled. He was a very, you know, a classic Wisconsin guy in many ways. They seem to churn these guys out who just uh, do it all. You watch every single down and you're like, how did that guy make the tackle again? He just is all over the place. Um, yeah, And uh, yeah, like you said, good on the edge. 12 and a half sacks, 19.5 tackles for loss. That's really good, but he can cover too. So he can kind of do it all. I think it's a great pick. I think he's kind of an underrated player, honestly, in this draft. You know, you, you dig into the numbers and, you know, it's not like he was playing in a small conference. He's in the Big Ten. Uh, so doing it against some pretty good competition. So I mean, he was real impressive. And I think, like you said, uh, as they remain at an impasse with Jadavion Clowney, uh, who still, you know, didn't have all that many sacks himself last year, uh, they definitely need to get after it a little bit. And I think that's a, a great pick uh, for sure. We've now arrived at really the most important spot of the podcast, certainly the most important draft pick. Jace Evans with the privilege to, I guess, join Eric DaCosta on a phone call or or, or Zoom video chat as opposed to being in the room with him to not get him coronavirus, or get coronavirus, I should say. Uh, You're representing the Baltimore Ravens at 28. Who are you taking? And everyone's gone. Yeah, this They're is all uh, gone. Can they of, trade back? I truly think they might. If that, <laughs> like, if we hit this point and one of Justin Jefferson isn't there, uh, or uh, certainly one of Patrick Queen or um, uh, Kenneth Murray, I think those are probably the two. I would think, do we think those are the two names? I guess we, have we ever set our personal preferences for uh, the order of the Ravens draft? Cause I think for me, if one of Murray or uh, queen was there, I think you have to take them. I think that's becomes the pick. If one of those guys is there personally. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with you. Um, they have, they have mentioned that uh, I think it was Joe Horitz, one of the, uh, play, the director of player scouting, I believe is his official title with the Ravens that they, they feel like there are middle linebackers in the middle rounds who can contribute. Um, again, take everything with a grain of salt because it could be a smoke screen. I don't think they, they quote-unquote reach for a receiver because the class is so deep unless, they, unless a guy like Jefferson is there. Now, in our mock, he was picked 11 picks before them. So, you know, I don't necessarily think that's, that's an option. And then pass rusher, there's not a ton of top-level guys. I mean, you, you look at this, and, and I could be wrong if I'm missing anybody, but Isaiah Simmons is sort of that. He's more of a Swiss Army knife as a defensive player. Um, just quickly looking through, Kaysan went 15 uh, to the Denver Broncos. Gross Matos already went. Epineza, although he's more of kind of a road grader type of defensive lineman. Um, so n- not a ton of guys there in terms of the pass rushing uh, variety. And then, yeah, with with Queen and Murray already off the board, too. I mean, I, I would like to see them go for one of those two guys. Call it Baltimore bias. I like having a good middle linebacker. I'm kind of used to that. Uh, leading the defense there. Love Chuck Clark, but it's weird that a strong safety is calling your defensive plays. Um, so, yeah, that, that, long story short, Jace, I completely agree with you. That would be my preference. We're, we've been calling this draft... I'm not going to say conservatively, but for the most part, we've been going through who the collection of experts think are the best players at their position. When you get to the actual draft, I can almost guarantee these are not the first 27 players (laughs) taken. Uh, You start to see surprises. You start to see as teams trade in and out of these slots to get guys that they personally, you know, ranked super high on their board. 
So it's, you know, we're sort of a little bit doom and gloom right now because all the top wide receivers are gone and all the top <laughs> linebackers are gone. Well, I think there were eight guys between the four, you know, four, of maybe five top wide receivers and then four linebackers. At least one of those will be at 28. I mean, that, that's almost a guarantee. So the, the options are still there. With that being said, if the three of us have quite literally picked the perfect mock draft and all of these guys are taken, I think this exact point in the draft is very interesting based on the Ravens' needs that they're going to just back right on up out of that, uh, get an extra pick, and then grab an offensive lineman that they can get in the second round, basically. I, I'm just looking through the list now. There's sort of a, a, a grouping of three or four offensive linemen who all look like they're going to go maybe early second round. Uh, and I could just see the Ravens so easily. If this is how things shake out, dropping back six, seven spots and letting one of those offensive linemen come to them. Yeah, unless they felt real strongly about the linebackers at all, Antonio, I completely agree with you. I think if it plays out like this, the Ravens will, in fact, <laughs> trade back. Get on um, out. But for the purposes of this exercise, I will select for our Baltimore Ravens, uh, Cesar Ruiz, center from the University of Michigan. Uh, you know, we talked, had kind of two centers last year. Um for the Ravens, uh, the presumptive starter, Matt Skura, is coming back from tearing like literally everything in his knee. So that's no sure thing. And even more convoluted and, uh, you know, kind of uncertain in the face of uh, the coronavirus pandemic here. Um, so you have that uh, just uncertainty at center position. Obviously, the retirement of Marshall Yonda. Um Someone's got to play right guard, whether you think you move this kid to a guard spot or keep him at center because he's very uh, good at it. He was Daniel Jeremiah's highest rated non-tackle in this draft. Uh, and Jeremiah wrote that he, quote, reminds me of Travis Frederick coming out of Wisconsin. Uh, Travis Frederick made five Pro Bowls. So that's a decent comparison <laughs> um, uh, for the Ravens. Uh, so I think you could do a lot worse than trying to just beef up the interior. You know, we've even had our questions about Bradley Bozeman. So really, it's just kind of a pick for an interior offensive lineman. If he's good enough, he could play probably guard or keep him at center. And that can help strengthen the, the two guard places. Because the Ravens, I think, are set with tackles. Like Orlando Brown Jr., very solid. As we said, Ronnie Stanley, among, if not the best left tackle in football. Um, so I think for if the draft plays out this way, I think the Ravens have to look at some of these interior guys to try to just kind of strengthen what they have going up front there. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think this is a pick. This is a stereotypical Ravens pick where, like, you panic for a half second and then it's the old Joel and B trust the process, trust the process. <laughs> and I have to listen to Kuiper and Jeremiah and say classic Ravens. They did it again. And then here's all the pieces of like, it's not the sexy pick, but this guy will be a solid starter for them for years or whatever. It seems like Ruiz is that type of guy. Now again, we'll emphasize. I think this is also a type of guy that they could trade back even a couple picks or early second round, if somebody wants to move up and grab somebody they love and maybe still get this guy in the second round. But the way this is played out here, you know, interior offensive line, we've talked about. We, we just we just wax poetic about how we want a linebacker so bad. But I think interior offensive line is more of a need, I would argue. Um, you, you know, there, the, the depth chart is not great in interior linebacker, but I have a feeling that inside linebacker is going to get filled up and might be a little bit easier to fill 
than left guard, right guard, center. Um, so Ruiz fitting in probably a, a set starter from the jump as well um, is is a solid pick there, I would say. Yeah, this, this is the guy who gets drafted. I sigh, uh, <laughs> and then I'm basically proven wrong within a year, uh, and then ends up being a, a starter for the next three or four years on that rookie contract. I, Jace, do you, how much information do you have about the likelihood of him being available later in the draft? Or do you think this is sort of, I mean, looking at realistically 28 to 32, let's say, is this sort of the slot where he's going to go? Or do you think it's possible he's the guy that, that falls to the second? I think he could definitely probably fall to the second. You know, it's not the strong, like, uh, it's kind of interesting. You look at some of the projections and the, uh, the positional rankings, player rankings, and, um, the two top interior guys are both centers, which, you know, there's, um, adds their natural position. Obviously they can move those guys around, but there's no like pure guards that are really jumping out. I think to people. And so you might look at people taking tackles to convert to guard. So I think he definitely could, uh, fall a little bit. And especially just, you know, you look at some of the teams kind of after like, you know, everyone can use offensive linemen, obviously, but, so I don't know how far down you can you can probably go, but I think one of him, or we should mention uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, center for LSU, he could potentially be there if, you know, if they don't feel strongly about either one and are confident, like, they'll both be around, you know, say pick 36 or something. I wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens uh, trade down. And like you said, just... I, I consider Brandon Ayuk here, but I didn't like him enough at wide receiver. I think he's very good, but um, there's certainly several receivers who are good. But I just think for the purposes of this exercise, especially offensive line kind of took precedent based on who was available. So, yeah, I think, you know, and people it's, it's not exciting to draft offensive linemen. So that's also a possibility. Like you were saying, uh, I would not be surprised in the slightest if Jordan Love is taken around like 16th or something. You know, these quarterbacks always go. We never think there's going to be that many quarterbacks go. And then somehow five get drafted in the first round. And you're like, what? <laughs> so uh, I certainly wouldn't be stunned if Jordan Love gets picked up, uh, too. And that shakes things up. So for now, Cesar Ruiz, welcome to the Ravens. <laughs> Picking 29th. Representing the Tennessee Titans. Tim, who are they going with late in the first round here? How did I get the Patriots and the Titans? <laughs> like, the evil empire and the team that knocked us out of the freaking playoffs. This is, this, this stinks. I don't like any well, of this. We get to do but, the Super uh, Bowl yeah. champs too, if that makes you feel better. <laughs> oh, good. Good. The team that we could have beaten in the AFC title game to win a championship with Lamar Jackson. This is, I'm, and by the way, I'm the one who picked this order. I should have just picked it and then reversed it while you guys weren't looking. I mean, God, I did not, I did not plan this well. But, uh, anyway, uh, I've been looking through here, um, to the two guys really stand out to me, uh, for this, for this Titans team. I think they could use a little bit of help in the secondary. A guy like Jalen Johnson out of Utah. Uh, big physical corner by all accounts, but I'm going to go. You talked about in episode one, the Browns making a big move, signing right tackle Jack Conklin. That leaves a big hole on the offensive line for the uh, Tennessee Titans. What do they do? They run the ball, run the ball, run some more with Derrick Henry, who they're able to retain. And you need to protect um, uh, Ryan Tannehill as well. I've basically just wiped that name out of my memory <laughs> after that game. So I'm going to go with the guy who is probably the next 
highest graded offensive lineman, another guy here who's a tackle. He's a bit raw, but he's got all the physical gifts kind of kind of the trait here I have. If you're if you're gonna try and take the talent and then if you believe you can form the player, you do that late in the first round if this guy is really that that much of a talent. I'm gonna go with Joshua Jones out of Houston. 6'5", 319 pounds, uh, room to grow as well, according to the scouting reports at NFL.com. A bit of a road grader, which I'm sure Mike Vrabel will love um, and Derrick Henry will love, but needs to work a little bit on the, the technique. But again, for a team that made this kind of miracle run and is picking maybe a little later than the talent on their team shows, get a guy with that talent and hopefully mold him into your next Jack Conklin on the right side. I'm picking at 30. This is my final pick uh, of our NFL mock draft at 30 for the Green Bay Packers. And I looked at a few things here. The, the Green Bay has a few needs, and they're basically playmakers for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they could use one uh, at the wide receiver position. They could use a stud tight end. Um, the rest of their depth chart looks pretty good. They could maybe use uh, an inside linebacker. I was looking up the the Packers earlier, and they went thirteen and three. Uh, will that be the most forgotten thirteen and three record uh, of the last ten years? Basically, next season. Yeah, thirteen and three. We're in the NFC Championship game, and like no one's talking about them as a potential Super Bowl contender for next year. It's very strange. One of the biggest issues, look from the eye test of watching Aaron Rodgers and the Packers last year was. If Devontae Adams wasn't going off, basically, they were really struggling to move the ball without Rodgers doing some sort of magic on third down. With that, I looked at tight ends to see there's really not any sort of dominant tight ends. It looks like there may not be a tight end that that gets drafted at all in the first round this year. Uh, So then I turned to wide receiver, where obviously a lot of the big names are gone. But there's one intriguing player who I think just sort of works well with the Packers. And that's the wide receiver out of Penn State, K.J. Hamler. Uh, Some mocks have him significantly lower than I have, and some mocks have him a little bit higher or right where where, uh, um, I have him going right now at 30. Small receiver, blazing speed, get the ball in his hands, and he makes things happen. The ringer, uh, dot com has Marquise Brown as his, uh, comparable that that's Hollywood Brown. So <laughs> maybe I just naturally, uh, just gravitated to this player, but I watched him absolutely torch the Maryland Terrapins. That was when the Terps were ranked earlier, uh, early in the season. Then they played Penn state at home and got absolutely blown out. KJ Hamler was unstoppable. It was basically get the ball in his hands and he just outran everyone. I love the idea of having Devontae Adams on the outside and maybe K.J. Hamler as a slot-type guy that the two of them can work off of each other. Um, and finally, I, I want the Packers to draft a wide receiver uh, so that we can watch Aaron Rodgers have a new target to just stare down after they pick the wrong option route in their first game. Um, I live for Aaron Rodgers seething on the field and uh, – maybe reaching for for a wide receiver. That seems like the perfect player who would give him headaches. So (laughs) KJ Hamler, Penn State wide receiver, 
probably getting like a thousand yards by season two. I love as, as a wide receiver because, like you said, he's you know looked it up. Devonte Adams six one, Hamler five nine, but just blazing speed. Kind of good compliments. Uh, pretty dynamic in the return game as well, so he could return kicks, return some punts even. Uh, and um, yeah, like you said, he lit up Maryland whenever they would play. So, uh, you know, NFL, obviously a little different beast, but I, I, I think it's a great pick. You just getting, you know, more speed, more dynamic playmaking on the Packers team. Like you said, that Adams was hurt. Uh, believe that had a foot injury for a long stretch last year and they would just get stuck in ruts they the Packers kept scoring right away and then just kind of hanging on with their defense was kind of their MO all season uh they started games good and then things just stalled and especially now like you talk Aaron Rodgers on the definite back half of his career certainly compared to where he once was so uh yeah just adding him more weapons pretty solid offensive line still um just yeah get get the ball in space and let the guy work I think it's it's possible they would look for an inside linebacker here. I just want to bring that up again quickly because I didn't realize they no longer have Blake Martinez, the starting uh, inside linebacker for them, who took all 155 of his tackles uh, to the New York Giants. But there's just not really a top guy available at this point. Uh, and then when you look at what they had, basically, in terms of tight ends and wide receivers – Jimmy Graham, he's gone. He's now on the Bears. Uh, they basically gave up on Geronimo Allison, who had maybe the best name in the NFL. Um, young Randall Cobb is gone in more ways than one. He hasn't been on their team for a few years. Hasn't been young in a few years. Uh, Jordy Nelson, he's not walking through that door. He, he retired like <laughs> five years ago at this point. Um, they just have such a significant need uh, in that space. And I, I could even see... Aaron Rodgers hopping on the phone uh, to, to make sure they pull the trigger for a playmaker or that he's lobbied for more playmakers early on in the draft. So I'm <laughs> that's it for me, guys. Uh, two more picks left to go. Jace on the clock at 31, representing the San Francisco 49ers, NFC champion, San Francisco 49ers. So I believe I picked the Niners' first selection as well. We went with, uh, who do we take? Henry Ruggs. So the receiver, first round, kind of taken care of. Uh, still some good ones on the board. Um, offensive line, also a position of need for them. Uh, you know, Joe Staley getting older was banged up last year. I believe both of their tackles had injury problems last year. Um Defensive line, they did trade DeForest Buckner, uh, so there's some options, but I am going with one of their other areas of need and a player I really like and kind of am surprised he hasn't been taken yet, uh, Trevon Diggs, um, the defense back out of Alabama, 6'1", 205, um, you know, he's an Alabama defensive back, we've, uh, as fans of Marlon Humphrey, we're kind of familiar with what those guys could bring to the table, they're, uh, the you know Nick Saban's specialty is the defensive back. Uh, it's what he's known for developing the most. So um, the they list Diggs, uh, the brother of Stefan Diggs, elite height, uh, weight, and length, which is what you want. And you know Richard Sherman getting up there. Um, so I think he just you know add you you could probably say you could look to the defensive line, but they're still pretty loaded there. Eric Armstead, Joey Bosa, uh, you know uh, D Ford healthy. It's not I think necessarily a thing you absolutely need to invest in. So I think you look to the back end, maybe uh, 
one of your weaker areas and just beef it up with a cornerback, maybe a replacement for Richard Sherman down the line. He turned, I believe, 33 this year. Um, so Trevin Diggs, cornerback out of Alabama. Yeah, I think you could take Xavier McKinney as well here, another defensive back out of Alabama who plays safety. Um, another another roster spot, or another roster, I should say, like the New Orleans Saints that pretty full. Not a lot of holes. <laughs> yeah. So just take some talent and put it in there. You've already improved the wide receiver slot as well, like you said. So um, spoiler alert, I was going to take him with the last pick in the draft. So I'm all over that pick with uh, Trevin Diggs there. I think he um, – a couple things here in this scouting report too – they said he is, has an outstanding NFL future and will likely face his older brother, Stefan Diggs, sooner rather than later. <laughs> and um, the, my favorite line in any scouting report, used ball skills to make baller interceptions this season. <laughs> and that's in there. Uh, a guy who's a playmaker as well, not just a shutdown corner, but good hands for a defensive back, which you don't see a lot of the time. So, you know, a, a game changer. Get a weapon. Get, a, get some sort of weapon to help this team even more. Um, I think that's a really solid pick there at 31. It's just it shouldn't really be fair that a defending AFC or NFC champion just gets multiple picks in the first round. Uh, I realize they've earned that by by shrewd deals, but San Francisco could possibly add just two other just stud talents to their team and, and make another run at at the Super Bowl. Now, speaking of Super Bowl, the champs picking at 32, the last of our mock draft picks. Left to Tim Horsey. Tim, who did the Chiefs take to try to repeat as Super Bowl champions? Yeah, a guy that I mentioned before. Um, you know, th- there's a couple options here. The the Chiefs, I think, have a little bit some more holes than like a Saints or Niners roster. Um, you know, defensive backfield outside of Tyron Matthew is not great. You know, playoff Damian Williams, as Joe Buck referred to him as in the Super Bowl. It's a fine player, but not necessarily your number one. And then there's some backups after that that I don't even know. Obviously, the offensive line has a few holes there with uh, some guys leaving, it seems like. Wide receivers. You know, they really need a quarterback. Maybe draft Jacob Eason. That might be the guy for that. I'm obviously kidding on that one with Patrick Mahomes there. So I'm looking at a couple guys. The first guy I'm looking at here is is Jonathan Taylor. And I'm going to do something a little different here. Jace, convince me to draft Jonathan Taylor here. For the the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, he rushed for, I believe, more yards in three seasons than anyone in the history of college football. So um, elite production. Uh, He cleared 2000 yards in back to back years. Um, uh, Let me just double check. Uh, I didn't make that up. Uh, Yeah, he uh, he's a true workhorse back um, and his senior uh, junior year. Rather, he um, he at least added an element of receiving the ball that he had never previously uh, shown. Um, yeah, he had two thousand. He had one thousand nine hundred seventy-seven yards, two thousand one hundred ninety-four, uh, two thousand and three, with all averages over six. So, yeah, he's really good. I think the case against him compared to uh, DeAndre Swift and why people like Swift more is just the NFL projection. And Taylor had some fumbling issues, but I mean, no one did it better in college than Taylor, certainly. <laughs> Great. I'm going to go Jalen Johnson, cornerback <laughs> out of Utah. Um, like I mentioned before with the Tennessee Titans, uh, physical guy, got decent size at six foot, 193 pounds. And simply put, you know, he is, he is one of the top rated players on this board. If you're looking at the guys who are left and it's a glaring need, it fits both of those things. So if they think that he 
if the evaluation that we are looking at right here is correct, I think that's a nice pickup for them at number 32. So I'm going to go Jalen Johnson to round out this uh, mock draft here, the cornerback out of Utah. Let me read out the tw- picks 27 through 32 uh, that we haven't reviewed yet. At 27, uh, Zach Bond, the linebacker out of Wisconsin, goes to the Seattle Seahawks. At 28, to the Baltimore Ravens, Cesar Ruiz, the center uh, out of Michigan. Uh, at 29, Joshua Jones goes to the Tennessee Titans, the outside, or excuse me, the offensive lineman out of Houston. Uh, at 30, KJ Hamler, wide receiver out of Penn State, goes to the Green Bay Packers. At 31, Trevon Diggs, the cornerback out of Alabama, goes to the San Francisco 49ers. And at 32, Jalen Johnson, the quarterback cornerback out of Utah, goes to the Kansas City Chiefs. And that is your first round mock draft from Pod Like a Raven. We've gotten all 32 right, um, so you don't need to listen or read up on anything else. You may not even have to watch the draft because this is pretty much what it's going to look like. I am sure we'll be back next week, or I should, yeah, next week to recap what we got right, what we got very, very wrong, uh, <laughs> or what some NFL GMs may have gotten very, very wrong. Looking at this first round as a whole now, I'll, I'll turn to either of you, maybe Jace, if you want to take this. Which player do you think is is very high, is very low? Is there a guy maybe that should have gone in the first round that, that none of us loved? Or is there a team maybe that, that still has a lot of work to do in terms of drafting? Um, I was a little surprised, I guess. Uh, and I was partially responsible for Kinlaw falling and... Uh, Epinesa ending up on the Patriots was the my least favorite thing that happened in this uh, theoretical exercise because I can just imagine it coming into being in real life. Um, so those those were probably my biggest surprises. Um, you know, I uh, the teams with multiple picks. I think like what we did for the Dolphins, just adding a bunch of talent, really useful. Um, but uh, yeah, the, definitely the Kinlaw falling and Epinesa falling, I think, were probably my biggest surprises. Um, for me, a couple here, uh, and not, I mean, not obviously not to disparage anybody in selections, but uh, at 25, Jeff Gladney, the corner, going over guys. I know Trevin Diggs, obviously, there's a situation there with the Diggs and the Minnesota Vikings, and maybe Jalen Johnson, who I've just seen on more mocks and stuff from these guys who know way more. Um, Chenault going over, if you look at some of these other guys, and this is a pick I made, going over a guy like Jalen Rieger, who a lot of people have fall, fallen in love with, Brandon Ayuk, Michael Pittman, who is seen as this early day two, round two guy that somebody's going to scoop up and love. Um, and, and and for me, too, and I, it was admittedly I was a little stuck here at 20. I wanted to improve the Jacksonville Jaguars' defense. Uh, defense, excuse me, I didn't think there was anybody else that could really help them on the offensive side of the ball. Gross Matos at 20 might be a little bit of a stretch. I think guys like Epineza uh, could certainly improve there, although I didn't take Epineza there because they already had Derek Brown. I wanted the guy who was a little bit different, a little more of a speed rusher or pass rusher, I should say. Um, but overall, you know, I, you mentioned it, Antonio. I almost think we went Ravens chalk in a way. <laughs> Because all of the like all the guys that we want the Ravens to get all went before that because we've heard so much about them because they're the ones we're constantly looking at. So maybe that affected our draft a little bit. 
um, you know, the Herbert Tua thing I think is going to be very, very interesting. Or if anybody moves up to get one of those two guys, presumably Tua in the top five, could blow this whole thing open. Um, but overall, yeah, I think we did a pretty solid job. Uh, I mean, these were two of my picks, but I sort of maintain that the Seahawks are going to love the opportunity to take Zach Bond all, all the way down at 27. Um, and I think the Eagles are going to love taking Kenneth Murray at, at 21. The linebackers that the Ravens would have loved to have, and neither of them are available. And I especially dislike that the Seahawks are drafting right before the Ravens. There's some overlapping need uh, between those two teams, and I just see that. I, I know there's going to be a guy that we want at 28, and he ends up going to, at 27 to, to the Seahawks. So that'll certainly rip my heart out. <laughs> that's that's about it for uh, the mock draft for us. Please, you know, email us, complain to us, disagree with us vehemently uh, about who we picked. But you better do it before the actual NFL draft comes out, um, so that you know you have to stand up to your to your picks <laughs> as well. We will go all over the picks uh, on the week following the draft, and we'll probably throw a party that there's some news coming out of Ravens camp uh, in a very quiet time as we build up to the NFL draft. Last thing to do, I think, answer the random Raven. So, uh, Tim, can you uh, give us those clues one more time? Yeah, real quickly as we wrap up here, we've had plenty of time to think it over uh, if, if you needed to. Clue number one, player started his career in Baltimore playing three seasons. He made 28 starts across those three seasons. This former Maryland Terrapin played for two other NFL teams, the Kansas City Chiefs, and most more notably, I should say, the San Diego Chargers. Other Ravens who wore the same number as this player include Ricky Wagner and Jelly Ellis. Uh, and this player declared for the NFL supplemental draft and on July 12th was taken by the Ravens in the fifth round of that draft. He replaced a Ravens legend at his position. So I know both of you have it. If whoever wants to go here, uh, take it away. I'll take it. Just be, it? I, yeah. feel, I feel like I haven't uh, had an opportunity or haven't gotten one in a while, so I'm going to just jump right in front of you, Jace. Uh, it's Jared Gaither, former, former Terp, former Raven. And I assume we're just talking about having to replace uh, Jonathan Ogden. Correct. Which, good luck to anybody, but good luck, Jared Gaither. It worked out, I feel like, okay for like a season or half a season. He was good, uh, I think, in 08. He was ac- <laughs> yeah, he was actually pretty good. They, they, he made the part of the, he was part of an offensive line I read, and I didn't put this clue in here, that allowed like the least amount of sacks in a season in Ravens history, which is surprising. What's an, it's an offensive line that doesn't include Jonathan Ogden. Yeah. Um, so was pretty good, fell off, had a horrific injury, uh, his last season in Baltimore where he had to be sent to the hospital uh, in the middle of a game. I don't know, know if you remember that. He ended up missing the entire 2010 season because of it. And then from there moved on to the Chargers, or excuse me, the Chiefs and then the Chargers. That makes sense. Because I was going to say, I was uh, three seasons I was surprised that was all he actually got on the field for. Because I feel like I remember him being around longer, but that would explain that a bit. Um yeah, I remember Jared Gaither being like fine, <laughs> uh, you know, between uh, he was one of the many guys who were like, OK, to good between uh, um, J.O. and Ronnie Stanley, including a left tackle, I believe will probably be a future random Raven. I don't want to name right now, <laughs> but um, yeah, and I for some reason, I thought briefly when you said Chargers, Sean Marion po- or Merriman popped in my head. Uh, lights out himself, but then I was like, 
had to work backwards and realized that, oh yeah, he started with the Ravens. So that rolled him out pretty quick. But yeah, Jerry Gaither, good player. Solid player. That's going to do it for us here on Pod Like a Raven. Very excited for the draft in just a few days. Very excited to see who the Ravens take. Very excited to see who does something bonkers and who loses their internet connection while trying to figure out who to draft. We'll be back next week to break all of it down. For Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens, I am Antonio Barbera. Thanks for listening to Pod Like a Raven. We will be back next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.